Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. We want to say thank you to those that are watching online. We welcome you, our Meadowbrook online family. If you're ever around, come on and visit us. There's something happening here at Meadowbrook Church. God bless you. You may be seated. Miss Alicia, uh, no, 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 don't run. I'm not, uh, I don't want to embarrass you. I just, I just sense, you know, we give honor to, to, the, to the leadership of the house. And I just felt when you were up here that you may have something on your heart you wanted to share. And, and if I'm out of line, that's fine. I just, it's okay, good. Then uh, I was just the pizza I ate yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. God bless you so much. Thank you for being here. It's always an honor to be before you. To stand here in confidence, not in arrogance. There's a fine line between arrogance and confidence in the Lord. The Bible says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But it never says not to think highly of ourselves when we do it through Christ Jesus. And I say that because today I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about that you have been chosen. Listen, listen. You have been chosen chosen by God himself. The Bible says before there was any days to our substance, he knew us. The Bible even says about the prophet Jeremiah, before you were even in your mother's womb, he knew him. So if he knew him, guess what? He knows us too. He says that he's just ordained days for our life, but sometimes things don't go quite right. How many of you know that? And Miss Alicia's talked about God saw this day. I still think about it. I still pray about it. That God saw this day that he saw me come to the altar as we sang one day. He saw me coming. And he saw me responding. But guess what? I didn't choose him. He chose me. And he chose you too. Today as we live in life, there's a lot of crazy stuff going out there. And I ran across a quote, this man named Eric Arthur Blair, who is well known by his pen name, George Orwell. He was uh, an Indian-born man, but an English citizen. He wrote many books, but he came to fame when he wrote this article called The Shooting of the Elephant. Because it was a comparison to the, uh, the British society that was suppressing the Indian society there in India, in Calcutta. In Bangladesh, and he wrote this thing, and then he said this. He said this, the further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those who speak the truth. And I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ is still the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And I don't mean that as hate speech. I don't mean that as anything derogatory. I've just been chosen today to tell you that you've been chosen to proclaim that very same thing. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're new to a staff. I don't care if you're male or female, young or old, educated or uneducated. You have a voice and you are chosen by God himself to do something in proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Are we excited yet? See, to be chosen, I remember when I was in school, 
I thought I was an athlete, but I really wasn't an athlete, at least in my own mind. You know how I knew that? Because every time when we were in elementary school, they picked kids, and I was one of the last four. How many of you know that do something to your self-esteem? But then as I started to grow in stature, both tall and wide, I got chosen to play football a lot. And I didn't pick, I wasn't picked last anymore. And it did go Cowboys, five and one. I was chosen, and then I began to enter the things of Christianity. And I knew in Scripture that I was chosen, but yet inside and in my mind, I thought that I wasn't based on my past. How many of you ever been there before? But we have to realize that this is not school. This is not just business as usual. This is an idea that we have been chosen by God for spiritual purposes to have eternal impact in the lives of others. I don't care if you have blue hair or no hair. I don't care how tall, how skinny, how dark, how white teeth or without teeth. You have been called by God to do something for him. I want to inspire you today. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. Because I know where I've come from. I know my life story. I know my grandfather went to prison for murdering a man. And I know that my father was killed in a car accident. I know that I've been on drugs. And you know some of my story. But I'm not that man anymore because God chose me. And God has chosen you too. Here's the scripture, John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, and his name is Jesus, he may give you. I don't know about you, that's, that's inspiring to me. To know that God himself has chosen me and appointed me to do something. And when I do it with him and for him, with all my heart, there should be a byproduct of that. That's fruit. And that gives me the confidence to ask him whatever I need in his name, and he will give it to me. What is it that you need today? And what fruit are you bearing in your life? See, there are mercies that are renewed every day. There are miracles that we need, but God never called us to live by miracles. He called us to live by his blessing. So when we're blessed, we don't have to believe in the miracle. We just walk in the blessing of God. So I ask you today, are you fruity? It just comes to me. There's a lot of music and noise in my head. This word chosen, to choose, to be elected, is the word eklegomei. To select, to be picked out, to be chosen, to be set aside, to be elected. Whoever's elected, let me tell you this much, God is still on the throne. Jesus is still the head of the church. He's not going to fall off his throne. This word appointed is titithimi. It's to place in a specific location, to bring to a new position, as to deposit something valuable in a bank. God has placed you and appointed you. Why? Because you're valuable to him. You are made by spiritual stuff. 
you have been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's all there was to the story, then at our salvation we should have died and gone to heaven. But no, he kept us on the earth for a reason. Put us in a place to bear fruit. And let me tell you this, if you're more focused on the place, you're not going to bear fruit. How many of you hate your job? Don't raise your hand. You're more focused at the natural position than you are in the heavenly position. Because if you were focused in the heavenly position, it doesn't matter who's against you or who's for you. When you're called of God and appointed of God, guess what? You're going to bear fruit if you're focused on him. Someone just smile at me. I try to hold myself still so I don't walk around so much. Watch this. In the Amplified Bible, John 15, 16, it says this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you and placed and purposely planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing fruit and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever, whatever, whatever you ask the Father in my name as my what? What's that word there? Representative. He may give you. The Bible says that we're ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, representatives in certain places. Focus on this, that you are not of this world. Some of you don't know what I mean. When you are born again spiritually, when you have received Jesus Christ, you've been transferred from one citizenship into another. And no longer citizens of this world. No hymn. We're all pilgrims in this weary land. There's an old hymn that goes like that. Ain't that right, Pastor Ron? He's a good Baptist. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, it is. So we are not citizens of this world, but we've been called from something to something. Purposely planted. Purposely planted. I don't care if you're retired. Refire. Don't retire. We have small groups. You can do something for the kingdom of God. You can bear fruit. Remember this, that the fruit is not for the tree. Listen to that. Most of us are focused more on the fruit, what I have, what I don't have. Why do they have? Why don't? No, don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the root. Let us move on. It says this. It says, I know that most Christians believe they're chosen. But I have felt at times that I have not been chosen. I've believed in in the lie. I have not at times been comfortable in my own skin. And it's restricted me in my growth of fruitfulness because I was more comparing fruit to fruit of other trees. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Comparing fruit clouds your judgment. Clouds you from your position in Jesus Christ. Focuses you more on what you don't have rather than what you've already been blessed with. There's many of you that wanted children. Now, you're, now they get on your last nerve. What happened? You wanted to get married. You say, oh, I can't live without him. I can't live without her. And now you say, Jesus, help me. This person. Do I have to look over? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's because you're focused on what you think they don't have. You have to focus more on 
you and your connection to the root and to the vine. Therefore, you can be fruitful in your marriage and not try to say, hey, hey, eat this fruit before I shove it down your throat. You can't do that. You can't do that. Trust me, in my house, I cannot do that. Watch this. We must understand that most Christians have to define what ministry is. Ministry is not just this. Ministry starts at home. And we have to believe that the spiritual work or service of any Christian or Christian group is to represent Jesus in every facet of life. What am I trying to tell you is this, that our main ministry is our spiritual progress. Our main ministry is our spiritual progress. How we progress in Christ. When was the last time you learned something new of the word? When was the last time that you clearly heard God tell you to do something? And sometimes we're so clouded. It isn't that God is speaking any less. It's that we're so clouded by comparing fruit and emotional turmoil that when we get in prayer, there's so much anxiousness that we cannot even settle to clearly hear what the word of God or the spirit of God is trying to tell us. I'm talking about myself too. I'm a Christian first. I'm a godly man as much as I can. I'm a Christian first. My spiritual progress, my main ministry is my spiritual progress first. And a byproduct of that allows me to be a better man, a better husband, a better brother, a better brother in Christ, a better minister, a better outreach, whatever it is. It's a byproduct of that. And if I'm not having good fruit or fresh fruit, how many of you ever tasted a, a rotten apple? I have. Or a mushy banana. It looks like it. It kind of smells like it, but it's not fresh. So my main ministry is to be in the presence of God to keep my fruitfulness fresh. You ever been to the vegetable drawer, you pull it out, and it looks like it's a nice crisp piece of celery or a carrot, but it isn't supposed to flex like that anymore. <laughs> See, you guys know what, I, you know what I'm saying. Watch this. The English Standard Version, John 15, 1 through 5, it says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. We're going to stop right there. When Jesus told the disciples, I am the true vine, the disciples knew something because they were Jewish. In the Old Testament, the vine was a symbol of Israel, and Jesus and God was the gardener. So now what he's telling the disciples is this. I am Israel. I am the real Israel. I am the true vine. Now watch, I have to preface that because now we move on. And it says this, I am the true vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. A lot of times we've heard that scripture and we think this, that if we're not bearing fruit, God is going to chop us away from him and is going to throw us into the fire. That's not the context. God doesn't work that way. But what he does do with the branch is he clips off leaves in order for it to bear fruit. Because it also says this in verse 3. It says this, already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. How many of you in here are born again? 
Now watch. So in this context, it's not talking about us being cut off. It's talking about Israel that has not received Jesus as the Messiah or the true vine. They are cut off. And that's why I started that Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father. There's neither Greek nor Jew nor Scythian nor barbarian nor male or female. It talks about all of us being one in Jesus Christ. So that's why it says it here. Now, in verse 4 again, it says, I'm sorry, in verse 3 it says, Already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And then he tells his disciples, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's talking about Israel and then he's talking personal. And neither can you, neither can I. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is he that bear, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what's that word there? Nothing. Nothing. The Bible talks in the book of Hebrews that the worlds were framed by his word. Framed by his word. What are you framing with your words concerning who you are in Jesus Christ? What are you framing concerning your position in Jesus Christ, especially when things aren't going well? Because your words also reveal what? What's in your heart. But what gets in your heart cannot come through, it first come through your thinking The more stinking thinking you have, the more negative things you will frame in your own world. This word abide is used 11 times from John 15, 1 to 17. 11 times. I think the scripture is trying to tell us something. It means to continue, this word abide. It means to remain, to stay. It suggests an effortless resting. Watch this, unknowing the connection between the branch and the vine. When I'm going through something, at the end of the day, I go, God, you got this. You know why? Because I'm not you. I can chill out. I can take a deep breath. I don't have to be bitter at anybody. I don't have to be anxious for nothing. All I have to know is know that you are in charge And you are going to take care of this situation. God, you will will perfect those things which concern me. We say around here, I am never alone and I am never without help. Why? Because I'm resting in the assurance, I'm abiding that I am in him and he is in me. That I did not choose him, but he chose me. He's got my back. I don't care who you are. God has got my back. Mm, That's good news to me. I want to show you these pictures. First, I want to show you a picture of a dry plant. Did it go up? There it is. I want you to notice something. This is in my front yard. I got this big pot, right? And I've been slowly pruning stuff away, and it's been growing more and more leaves. But you notice that it's wilted, or a little bit. And it has flowers and even fruit on it, but they're hanging low. I watered this thing. And less than an hour, show the next picture. Less than an hour. 
this, the things that were, the flowers that were hanging low are now up and they're starting to open it. And it has these little fruit on it. It's starting to come up because it's connected to something that needs the water. When was the last time you were in his presence and you watered yourself? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit that talks about a lot of symbols, it's a whip, it's a hammer, but it's also water. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's not just a knit, it's a person. It's also wind and breath and refreshing. When things aren't going right, get connected to the vine. See, the thing is, is we already are connected to the vine. There's nothing that we could do naturally to get disconnected because we could do nothing spiritually to get connected. It's all that what he did on Calvary. I'll say that again. Watch. There was nothing naturally that we could do to get saved. So what can we do naturally to get unsaved? Now, being blessed is something different. But when I focus on what Calvary did for me and the access that I have to his presence, it begins to refresh me. And I don't have to come, oh, woe is me. I'm a sinner. I'm a worm. No. God, I messed up. I didn't do this right. I spoke out of turn. Forgive me of my sin. Show me what I need to do. But right now, just refresh me. I come to your altar, dear God. Water me, refresh me. Cause my witheredness to be refreshed again. And guess what happens? The things that seemingly look wilted one moment are now up and refresh. Now, the situations may not have changed, but when God's on the job, things begin to change in your life. Can I get a good old amen, please? You and I have been chosen. You and I have many promises. You and I have been chosen by God to be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed to be a blessing. I just came up with that yesterday. You have been chosen, anointed, appointed, watch this, and positioned as we saw earlier, to bear much fruit. We have to choose to believe that we've been chosen and connected to the vine. Even when things don't go right our way or even when we're at fault, we're still connected. But in our thoughts, in our condemnation, in our self-loathing, we think we're not connected, but we are. I want to tell you about a man named King David, future king of Israel. Chosen, anointed, appointed, but yet not in the position of king when he first got anointed. You and I have many promises. When we come to God, God talks to us. He gives us dreams and visions and promises. We see it in the word, and there's times that we hear things from the pulpit that inspire us, and we think, I'm going to have it. And that may be true, but you've been chosen, appointed, but yet not positioned naturally. But you have been positioned supernaturally. How many of you understand what I mean? And here we find that King, this young man, killed Goliath. That he was called by King Saul to minister to him and entered into the presence of God. And all of a sudden these demonic spirits and these evil spirits left Saul. He found favor in the son of Saul, Jonathan. But Saul became very jealous of David. And King Saul tried to kill him twice with a javelin and once with a spear, chased him down into a cave, but David found himself with the opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. And then we find that King David, not king yet, 
has to flee Saul and he enters into a covenant with the Philistines, the very army that he killed their giant, the giant of Gath from the Philistines. How can he go from one point of being an enemy and killing this giant of the Philistines of Gath and coming over and now formulating a covenant with the same evil people? He became impatient, some, the, some commentaries I've read. Because when you and I become impatient, when we don't have the fruit or we don't have the position, we start to try to take shortcuts. Well, if we shack up with one another, God doesn't really care. Did he just say that for real? Yeah. Truth, not condemnation. But then we also see that he was given certain things by these Philistines because King David or David became a vigilante. He went to war against the enemies of the Philistines. So they gave him a city. But every time he went out to battle, he came back and brought back more gold and brought back more cattle. Again, these men of the Philistines, guess what, became jealous of him just like King Saul. When you believe and you know that you have certain things of God, there's a confidence, not an arrogance, but a confidence into you. Some people might get jealous of you. Am I in the church for real? Why did God bless her, man? Would you look at that dress? And why does he have to drive that car? Come on, guys. I'm trying to tell you the truth. But what happened then is that King David came back from battle one time and the city that was promised to him by the covenant that he made with his enemies was burning his children were gone and at that time he had two wives we have two wives we're not his new testament you don't do that we have two wives all the animals were gone all the spoils that he had were gone and these men that were with him wept till they could weep no more Have you ever cried for somebody because they hurt you? And cried and cried until you could cry no more? And you can't find tears or words to express what somebody's done to you or what you've done to somebody else? And it says that these men of God thought of stoning and killing the very man that had brought him all these victories. But watch what David does. He knew what to do. And he knew where to go. He's called for the priest. And I'll read it to you. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 3 and 4, it says this. So David and his men came to the city, and there was burning with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and all the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 6, it says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and, and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm gonna, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I just made that song up. I'm going to strengthen myself in God. That's not what it means in this context. We have to know what it means. And it says this, the word strengthen is the word hadzak. Hadzak. Say hadzak. Hadzak. It means to overpower and watch grow firm. There's been times that I've been in prayer, all these emotions, even anger. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to let this thing get me. It's not going to overtake me. 
In the name of Jesus, I take authority over these things that are coming against me. Because David was under pressure. Anxiety, fear. These men that had fought with him, this guy that made the covenant with, they wanted to kill him. So he... He became powerful and strong, meaning he combated his soul toward the will of God. And most of us don't have that strength. We let our emotions, we're in prayer. God, don't you know, can't you see this and that? And we leave prayer mad and you're doing it wrong. You've come and talked to me in my office. I won't point you out. But isn't that right? That you know what I'm talking about? But then it says this. This is the powerful thing that I like. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 7 and 8, it says, Then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? I'll say it like this. Should God, should I marry this woman? Or should I not? Should I continue to pursue this job or not? Where have you placed me, Lord? Where do you want me to bear fruit? And it says, he said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. David knew where to turn and where to go. You and I have to know that things will come against us in life. But the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have to stay connected to the vine to bear fruit. David stayed connected to the vine. We need to stay connected to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Pastor Tim has been saying some great things about prayer. Don't just describe the name, say the name. There is power in that name. Jesus, the son of the living God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can I get an amen tonight? We as Christians must understand our position. We must understand whose we are and who has called us. We must understand that we are not just vagrants, but we're children of the king. There's this story that is reminded of me of this guy named Mophibosheth. He was the son of Jonathan. And he was a young boy and the sons of Saul wanted to become king, but the sons of David said no. So those two sons on both sides went to battle. And this, this boy, young boy of five years old, he, they took him. And, and as they were running, he fell. Or they dropped him and he broke his legs and his feet were deformed. And he lived in fear of the sons of David. But when David became king, he said, Is there not yet a descendant of my brother Jonathan? And one of the servants said, Mephibosheth still lives. So he brought him. Now he's a man. Many years have gone by, and he's lived in fear. And he said, bring him to me, for I will give him the lands of his grandfather. And I will give him the blessing of his father. And I will always give him a seat at the king's table. You and I have been called to the king's table. We need to stay connected to his presence and realize that we are valuable in the eyes of God. Amen. That you have been called and appointed and positioned in a place to bear fruit, to influence those that do not know Christ. 
into the vine. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. When the song was playing, Come to the Altar, I was doing everything in my power just to hold it together. The Bible talks about him who has been forgiven much, loves much. So when I talk about Christ and God and forgiveness and grace, I understand. I'm trying to get a grasp more and more. And the more I know, the more I realize of what I don't know. That's because he's an eternal God. I never want to come to the point that I got it all together. Because my wife will tell me when I don't. <laughs> but I want to pray a blessing over you. If, if you could come to the piano and, and we can close. I just want to spend a few moments here. We've said a lot and we still have five minutes. So we can do a lot more in five minutes. I just want you not to be in a rush. In this time that power of prayer, Pastor Tim has been taught, we have to fight to pray and pray to fight. We have to come into his presence and sometimes rest and settle and let the rust kind of get off of us. Let's pray. Father, eternal God, you are the Prince of Peace. You are the creator of the ends of the earth who never faints nor is weary. You give strength to the weak and grace to those that are in need. We come to you in Jesus' name tonight. That matchless name, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the son of righteousness who has been risen with healing in his wings. His name is Jesus. And I pray for my brothers and sisters and I bestow blessing upon them that their home and their home houses would be at peace, dear God. That their children, their wayward children would come back. That they would see you not just as God but as Father. And we take authority over the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name we rebuke the lie of insecurity, the lie of judgment and condemnation. All those things have been nailed to the cross. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and are made new and regenerated. And now with Jesus being raised from the dead, we have power and authority as the church of the living God to curse evil. And say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, leave me now. And those that are here, dear God, that seem alone, let them know that they are never alone. Speak to them now. Raise their heart, raise their spirits. Let them know clearly that you love them and you care for them. You're doing great things in Meadowbrook Church and through our small groups and through outreach. And the vision of this church for another campus and, and leaders and special needs and we're doing it not for Meadowbrook but for the kingdom of God multiply leadership dear God multiply strength multiply grace 
multiply vision, dear God, like only you know how to. Come on, let's pray for our pastor and Miss Alicia. Father, we thank you for our pastors, dear God. That they value their quiet time and they have wisdom beyond their experience and beyond their education. That they are supernatural people. That they have the spirit of seeing and knowing and discernment in their hearts, dear God. To know where this church should be going. Lead them to lead this church. Lead them to empower people because they cannot do it alone. Bring people that need to be brought to multiply this congregation for your glory. I pray that you protect their children and their grandchildren and their extended family. That people would walk in peace with them. That they would always be connected to you, the vine. That they would bear fruit to add nourishment to others. I thank you for Pastor Tim and Pastor Alicia, the gift to this body. And now as we leave and depart from here, dear God, that you would receive all glory and all honor for you, Dear Lord, there is no other one worthy. You are a jealous God and you will share your glory with no one. It is you who has had the way here. Not me, not the music team, not the media team, not the children's ministry. You have had your way here. And we honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you receive something today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.